Do you like to learn about random wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should? Then welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, get more information at ladyfoxentertainment.com and subscribe, rate, or review. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nothing Off Limits. The conversation is going to be surrounding creatives today, whether they're your coworker, you report to them, or you're their boss. You're going to get some valuable insight into what really motivates a creative person, how they generally respond to challenges, and what you can do to most effectively work with them, lead them, and get the most out of their talent. And of course, if you yourself are a creative listening to this, you even might gain some insight into your own approaches to projects, to your teams, and your business relationships in general. My expert today is Mark McGinnis. Mark is a poet. Yep, he's a creative too. But he's also a psychotherapist who has been coaching creative professionals since 1996. Now, he's a successful creative. His poems have appeared in leading literary journals, and he was awarded third prize in the 2016 Stephen Spender Prize, the UK's biggest prize for poetry translation. Now, in his coaching practice, he works directly with creatives to help them achieve their artistic and professional ambitions. His clients include fine artists, commercial creatives, media professionals, stage performers, and entrepreneurs. He's also authored several books for creatives, including Motivation for Creative People, How to Stay Creative While Gaining Money, Fame, and Reputation, which you can download. There's a link in the show notes for you. And get this, he's also a host of a podcast. He hosts the 21st Century Creative Podcast, where he interviews leading creators about their path to success. So I encourage you to check that out. Now, you're going to have links in the show notes once again, but his coaching website is lateralaction.com. You can can sign up, uh, fill out his form to see if he will take you on as a client, if you have some needs to figure out where you want to go next in your career, or if you want to check out his podcast, it's at 21stcenturycreative.fm. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Michelle. Lovely to be here. I'm so glad to have you. And I also love that you have an English accent. It's always (laughs) fun. My secret weapon. (laughs) It just automatically makes you sound smarter and, and more sophisticated. Well, I'm going to play that for all it's worth. <laughs> so let's dive in. I want, to, I want to talk about creative people. Let's get into the brain of a creative. You know, who are they? What makes them tick so that we can all work together in a happy way, right? So let's start from the foundational side of things. What really is a creative person? What defines them? Well, my definition is really quite simple. It's somebody who creates something. Mm-hmm. And I like to make it practical and behavioral because you know there's all kinds of speculation and research and and theories about you know the creative personality and is there something innate within us that uh, you know makes one person creative or another not and maybe there's something in that but from my look at the research it seems pretty inconclusive so i like to you know maybe as a coach i'm, I'm biased towards action i like to think well if you create something then you're creative so we're all creative to some degree. Well, if we are creating, that's, that's the crucial thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're all potentially creative, but we're only actually creative if we take action. Right. So if you're an accountant, right, creating a spreadsheet, <laughs> are you creative? Uh, well, <laughs> there's a joke here about creative accounting. 
Um, I think there are creative things you can do financially. I'm not particularly good at those. Um, I should also mention my long-standing accountant for, for many years, Sidney Levinson. He is also a DJ by night, and he's a very creative guy. I love it. And, you know, it's, everybody's different about how they want to mix and match those or not, or keep them separate. Some people like to do one thing for money and another thing for for creative expression. Other people, they're, they're just not going to be satisfied if they're in a, a role where the only motivation is money and obedience or you know, doing the right thing for the corporation. So I think a lot of this will come down to self-knowledge because I've seen... I've seen people, some creatives suffer because their day job isn't creative and, you know, that they, yeah. they feel hemmed in by that. But equally, I've seen plenty of creatives suffer by trying to turn their creative passion into a commercial enterprise. <laughs> and it just, you know, it turns their love into, into a job and then it loads onto it all the stress of, you know, having to pay the bills. So, you know, there's no one size fits all. Totally. And I've experienced both of those scenarios. <laughs> and many of my friends have as well. Yeah. So yeah. Um, let's get into the brain of a creative. Like what really motivates them? Because I think this will help people out there listening who work with creatives or have to lead them. And maybe they're not necessarily part of a creative team themselves, but they're the boss. Okay. So we're not a different species. We... Really? <laughs> no, there are some days it may seem so. Yeah. <laughs> but essentially, I like to think of it creatives, they're not necessarily completely different to other people, but there are some things that are more extreme. So one in particular is we have very, very high levels of intrinsic motivation. We need to love what we're doing uh -huh. in order to do something creative and, and meaningful. You know, we have to have that outlet in our life, you know, whether it's in our own time or, or work time, it's got to be there somewhere or we're going to be miserable and we're going to be demotivated. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And what you just said previously about, you know, when you get to the point where you're so stressed out about trying to make money or taking on projects that you don't really want to work on just because you have to, that's when the jaded element comes in and you don't want to do it. I've been there. Yeah. I mean, when, you know, when I did my master's, I looked into some of the research on the psychology of creativity. And this was one thing that really stood out for me was what the psychologists call extrinsic motivation, aka rewards or punishments for, for the work that you do. It could be money, it could be criticism, it could be praise, it could be a promotion, it, it, it could be a good or a bad review. All of that is a creativity killer, uh -huh. which means if you're thinking about it, and it, it's kind of weird, it's slightly hard to get your head around it, because on the one hand, a lack of money is demotivating, I mean, for, for some obvious reasons, but also because it's, it becomes a distraction. You're thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, but equally, having too much money, you know, being having... You know, I sometimes hear managers say, well, you know, I'm paying them enough. Surely they should be putting heart and soul into it. But if actually, if the work itself isn't seen as meaningful or important intrinsically, then it's going to be really hard to get the best out of that team of creatives. Right. What if it's a team of creatives who have all had tons of success and already have tons of money and they expect more projects along those lines? And so when they don't get them, they feel, or they come off as though they're insulted, that you're not giving them something at their level. How do you deal with that kind of pushback? Because the motivations have changed. You could open this up several ways. 
you could say to the creators, well, what are you doing in a situation where you're, you're waiting for someone else to inspire you? <laughs> you know, if somebody yeah. really is that successful and resourceful, then, you know, there's, there should be a way. So I, I guess I would need to know a bit more about specifics situation to be able to say, yeah, this would work, that would work. Mm, mm -hmm. So let's keep it general then. Let's say you have just in general, a rebellious kind of creative, and it's someone in power. So they're at a higher level in an organization, maybe an executive creative director or something. And Mm -hmm. um, they do have that stereotypical approach where they're they're difficult to work with, um, because they want things a certain way. and, And they're kind of controlling about how things are done. How do you work with someone like that? You know, what, how do you get inside their head and, and please them? What's their motivation there? This would actually apply to anybody that you're working with where you're finding the situation difficult, but it was particularly helpful if you're dealing with someone you've just described. I would say, first of all, scrub out any negative labels you have about them, whether you see them as difficult or um, you know, unhelpful or uncooperative or, or arrogant or whatever it may be. Because as long as you see them that way, your options are limited. Because if someone's a difficult person, there's nothing you can do, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to rebuild their personality. Right. (laughs) And so that's the first thing. The second thing is to imagine really hard that you're living in a universe where everything they do and say and think and feel makes complete sense. (laughs) Because guess what? You are. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's, and and it's so easy to, to dismiss somebody's actions or feelings. If you think, okay, well, from their point of view, it obviously makes sense to do this. Yeah. But that takes maturity. And I think to be able to pull yourself outside of a situation, right? Because all of our belief systems and the way that we see things are so kind of set in stone, I feel like. It really takes awareness to be able to step outside of that. Right. Well, I mean, obviously, most of this stuff usually happens once I've tried something else and it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Gone away and thought, okay, right, how can we we not screw that one up again? Um, (laughs) But I would say it's maybe maturity or maybe just enlightened self-interest. I mean, the thing is, you're not going to get very far by butting horns with that person. You right. Know, unless you've got the power and authority. And even then, is that really the way to, to get the best out of everyone? Right. So the question I would ask is, what's in it for him or her to do things my way? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, how, how can we get our agendas aligned? Right. Sometimes the languaging can be difficult because maybe the way that uh, a pure creative person might think or, or process through situations might be different than someone who thinks in a, in a ba- more basic way. And, and again, I'm generalizing, but I'm trying to make it so that people out there listening can, can be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been in that situation. Like you have to explain things a certain way in order for a creative mind to pick up on it. Yes, and I would also say, keep coming back to the motivation. What is it that that person wants? Is it political influence? Is it creative autonomy, which is really important for a lot of creatives? They, they hate feeling that they've compromised the work. In fact, I've worked with creatives who've, you know, they've been on the receiving end of client feedback, and they've said, well, look, this would absolutely ruin the project. If you do it, I'll do it. If you really want it, I'll do it on condition you take my name off the project because they, <laughs> they want to be associated with mediocrity. Yeah. 
But that's the thing, though, Mark, is that clients do have their two cents and it is their money. So it, it gets to a point where you can't just do whatever you want. You have to work with the client. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, and we're, we're hoping there's going to be a certain level of maturity and professionalism from the other side of the fence, right? Mm-hmm. So I think but if we just step back for a minute and think about the reward structures for creatives in their career, as well as in, in terms of their inclination, on the one level, their personal inclination is it's got to be inspiring. They've got to have the freedom to do something they consider great. Mm-hmm. The other thing is the way that reward and promotion or recognition structures work for creatives is maybe a little different to others because it basically comes down to your portfolio. It comes down to your, your back catalog. It comes down to things like the awards that you've won, the credits that you have on, on well-esteemed work and you know the, the esteem of your peers and so on. Those are things that if you're an agency creative, you know, to put it bluntly, it's going to be a, make another agency want to poach you. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that you look at on a CV. You mm-hmm. know, there's not really a traditional career ladder for a creative. You know, I, I always say to clients, you know, don't think in terms of the career ladder, think in terms of creating assets. And mm-hmm. the number one asset is the work that you produce. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, if you are, Samuel Jackson, it's not difficult to get people to, to work with you. because <laughs> I love know, that you pulled that out. Yeah. <laughs> I just immediately got like in my brain all those memes of Samuel Jackson. Right? Go on, go on. <laughs> but it's, I mean, whoever it is, you think of your favorite artist or creator in whatever field it is that you work in or, or, or you know, you, that you admire those are the people, and it's almost so obvious that we don't notice it. Because they've done great work, people want to work with them. Mm-hmm. Opportunities come to them. Doors open. If they go to a, whoever it is with a proposal, it's, it's going to be listened to very differently to someone who hasn't got that track record. So if you, coming back to your specific project, any, anything that's perceived as a creative compromise the creative director and, and his or her team, they can see that as a threat to their professional identity. You know, if something goes right. out and it's got mediocre written all over it, well, that just takes their, their kind of credit in the industry down a, a notch or two. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely know that feeling too. Um, so you just don't include it in your portfolio, right? Right. But then, you know, it's another day of, of working on stuff that isn't, moving your agenda forward. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, getting inside the head of the creative director. Right, right. But then from the opposite side, it's like you're going to have to do projects along the way that you don't love just because if you're part of a a company or an agency, projects, not every single project is going to be awesome and rewarding. There has to be, yeah, there has to be a balance there. Um, Because not everybody's going to love everything. Some people will love it. You know, it just kind of depends because it's subjective too. So here's where I think maybe you can get a little creative and maybe even a little mischievous if you are charged with, you know, getting a, a, helping a team to get fired up for a challenge like this. If you say, well, look, you know, you're creative. I'm sure you can find the, the interesting angle here. Mm-hmm. Give it back to them. Yeah. And that's where I think it's important for if we flip to now thinking about people who have to lead creative people, right? Yeah. And maybe they're not 
on the creative team themselves, right? So thinking about like the bosses or the owners of a company or whatever, right? What can they do um, to really get the best out of their people and to not lose those awesome creatives who are creating amazing assets and, and people are trying to poach them? How do they keep them? Keep challenging them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you go in and you say, look, this is, this, I've got something really difficult for you this week. In, in some workplaces, people, you know, their, their energy droops, but the creators, the ears pick up because, mm. oh, we get to do something that you don't think we can do or that hasn't been done before. Great. Let me add it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, you know, this is the, the positive side, the intrinsic motion, or one of the very positive aspects is we actually love to work really hard on difficult things. Mm-hmm. And so I do. show us the big, right, you know, I mean, it's, there are easier ways to make a living, but we don't want to do that. Yeah. It sounds like there's a big emphasis on intrinsic rewards, which means that leaders would need to really get to know all of their people on their team and know what, what types of intrinsic motivations each person has. Or is there more of a general way? I mean, like you said, just create challenges. Well, yeah. So, so challenge is one thing. Um, autonomy is another one. Now, clearly you can't do whatever you want on a client brief, mm-hmm. but actually what you, what you do is you say, look, these are the parameters and this is your space to operate in. And actually any creative worth their salt is, is going to see limitations as creatively enabling. The idea that creativity is about doing whatever you want isn't really true in, pr- in practice. Hmm. I mean, if you speak to novelists or screenwriters, then, you know, there's pretty well established principles of storytelling. Mm-hmm. They need a framework. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a poet. I mean, why do poets love to write things like sonnets or in you know, blank verse or, or, or whatever the, the verse form may be? I mean, we've been doing it for hundreds of years because it's fun because you've got a little box and it's got to be about this size by this size. And the first part is going to be a bit like this. And then the second part is going to be a bit of a counterpoint to that. Go see what you can come up with that, that Shakespeare didn't think of. (laughs) Yeah, that's a, that's a challenge and a half. I'm not a poet. So I'm like, Whoa, I don't think I would take that one. (laughs) You know, I mean, you could take podcasting, for instance, you know, there's a fairly, this is a, a medium that, you're working in that is fairly well established that there's a kind of an interview show mm-hmm. and that you, you know, you invite a different guest every week and then you talk about stuff, but you know, what's going to make your show different and, and unique is what you bring to it. You know, it's the kind right. of angle, the kind of questions, the kind of attitude that you have mm-hmm. this. And also that it's really wide open, you know, like anything's up for discussion. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And that's what keeps it fun. Right. Because if it were right. the same topic every single week mm-hmm. or, or all the time, I would be so bored after a period of time. I'd be just, I would have exhausted all of the interesting parts of that particular topic. Right. So I don't know how people can do just one thing and just talk about yoga the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's only so much about yoga I can take. Right. And, you know, for someone else, that's going to be perfect. But for you, it's not. And also, you've got the, the sweet spot, because that's what your listeners want. You're looking for the kind of listener who appreciates the variety and the surprise and, well, we don't know what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Now, coming back to the client situation, yet yeah, they're always going to be 
times where you have to suck it up and say, well, okay, the client wants it this way. We're going to do it this way this week. Right. But if you're a creative and that's happening week in, week out, then you might think maybe I'm to be more satisfied working somewhere else. Mm-hmm. A different kind of client, you know, yeah. because it's, you know, that any service relationship is really important. You've got the right fit between your inclinations, your ambitions, and and the client that you're supposedly there to serve. Totally. Let's talk about within the teams, right? So within the culture of a company or an agency, what are some tips for leaders and also the people playing within the team to really keep collaboration positive and open? Um, Is it about giving positive feedback rather than really nasty critical feedback? Or what are some tips there? I'm thinking it's the feedback's got to be honest. Mm-hmm. Creators will definitely pick up if you're just giving them some kind of vague um, praise that isn't sincere. Um, and you're right, you, you want to look for as much to encourage as you can, but also don't sugarcoat it. You know, say if something isn't the way you want it to be, but be very specific and give your criteria. Mm-hmm. Because meaning, if you just, meaning why you see it that way. Exactly. You know, if you just say, oh, sorry, no, that's not going to do. Well, as a creative, there's not much I can do with that. Right. But if you say, you, you know, we're talking about, say, the tone of the copy or the, the color palette on a graphic or the, you know, whatever it, it may be in it, you know, the equivalent in music, then there's something you can do and you can go away. And, and very often you can, you can get to some quite interesting places with that kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. What else? What else can can people do to keep it collaborative? Because I think it's so easy, just in my own experience, and I've worked on so many different types of teams, big ones, small ones, virtual, mm-hmm. actually in an office, where it's there are times when it breaks down. It just does. People get frustrated. There are there are tensions. How do you keep it open and collaborative and happy? Or is that not possible? I think if there's no tension and there's no conflict or disagreement anyway, you've probably got a bit of a bland team. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's really important that you teach and and you model. It's okay to critique the work. It's okay to disagree about ideas. It's okay to disagree about options, but we respect each other. You know, you don't make the criticism personal and you don't go holding grudges from one meeting or project to another. So mm-hmm. really watch out for that. Yeah. Um, and then also make it clear, you know, what, what the criteria are for promotion and, and opportunity and say, this is the kind of person who is going to be given, you know, more opportunity at this place. Yeah. And one of the things we look at is how you work with other people, how you make someone else look good. Right. Is a really important thing. If you see that, you've got a real star team player, I would mm-hmm. say. What if you have people who are seem very strong and have a lot of leadership qualities and they seem to sort of take over meetings or brainstorming sessions? How can you get the people who aren't as vocal or extroverted to be encouraged to give their ideas as well? Should you put them on the spot and say, hey, we'd love to hear some other ideas or what? Well, one thing, one thing I've sometimes tried is just to tell the very vocal person to be quiet for a bit and, say, <laughs> <laughs> and just, and say it really in a really friendly way and say, Hey, you, you've been, you've been really doing a lot of work for the team here. Why don't you take a breather and someone else can take, take up the strain for a bit. <laughs> Shut your hole. 
<laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. So those are some great tips. Now, what about if there are creative people out there listening and maybe they're more independent, they freelance or yeah. they have their own small business. What questions should they ask themselves before taking on a new project or a new client so that they don't fall into that rabbit hole of being miserable doing the work? So in the motivation book, I talk about four different types of motivation. And I reckon, so, so the first one is the intrinsic motivation, the love of the work. Another one is the extrinsic, what rewards are there for this? It could be money, it could be uh, you know, this would be a great portfolio piece or, you know, you could get a great testimonial or we're, we're up for an award with this project or, 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 or something similar to that. Mm-hmm. Another one is what I call the personal motivation, which is, you know, how much does this fit with your in- inclinations as an individual? How aligned is it with your values? Hmm. Is it a company or an organization you, you like and respect? Right. And would love to help, or do you think you know? Obviously, you don't want to be getting into a situation where you feel there isn't, um, it isn't aligned with your integrity. Right, like maybe you uh, went sober, and you know, a liquor company comes and approaches you, <laughs> and you're like, mm. right. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, the extreme examples. I was approached by tobacco companies, and you know, I'd had two grandparents who died of smoking-related illnesses, and uh, I wasn't keen on working with them. Right. So you know, that just wasn't a. It wasn't an option for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the extreme. Right. Now, and the final one, and I think it is really worth thinking about, is the interpersonal motivation, which is, would I enjoy working with these people? Yeah. Because it can be the best project on paper and the worst project in reality. Totally. If, if there isn't that fit. So I would say before the project, ask yourself, does it inspire me? Am I going to be well rewarded? with money or whatever else? Is it aligned with my values? And do I like the people? Will it be fun to do? Mm -hmm. And if you're part of an agency or a company, and there are some disconnects in those areas of motivation, there's nothing you can do about it. How best can you get through this? Should you focus on one of those motivations and just be like, well, I'm I'm making my money here, I'm just going to get through this project? Or, Or how do you how do you give tips to your clients on how to get through projects that they are forced to do? Well, sometimes you just got to suck it up and say, well, it needs to be done this way by Friday. So let's get our heads down and do it. Mm-hmm. But you can't have too many weeks like that before the, you know, you, you really start to, to right. hit a wall in terms of motivation. So it's okay but once in a while to get an unrewarding project. And, and also again, you know, I think these four motivations are really important to have in the big picture of your working life. And it may be that you get more of your inspiration from a pet project that you do in the evenings. And as long as you're happy with that and you can go to work and it's, you know, it's reasonably interesting and engaging and you get a good salary and the social life is good, then fine. Why not? Write, write your novel or your symphony or do your podcast or whatever it may be in the evenings. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I would say in the long term, if any one of those four motivations is missing, if, if you're not inspired, if you're not rewarded enough, if you feel there's a values conflict or you're not around people that you like, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hey, everybody, quick break. I would love for all of you out there listening to help me out a little bit. I am entering the podcast awards, and I need you all to go in there and to nominate my show for an award. Um, I have entered it into the education category because I do think that my podcast makes people smarter in a lot of ways, as well as being entertaining, if I may say so myself. So all you need to do is go to podcastawards.com, register as a listener, go to the education category and nominate Nothing Off Limits. You can also nominate me for the People's Choice Award. Uh, This goes through the end of July. Nominations can happen. So you have until now, as of when you're hearing this, until July 31st to make your nomination. So I invite you to nominate Nothing Off Limits and help me win an award. I think that would be kind of cool. And it totally ties in to what my guest Mark and I were just talking about when it comes to what motivates creative people. (laughs) So give me my nomination. Give me my award. Uh, Please go to podcastawards.com. And if you have any questions, feel free to email me. Otherwise, let's get back to the show. So let's talk about now I've been thinking about this a lot over the past year or two, even, I've noticed that rates, budgets have dropped for a lot of a lot of creative projects, at least that I've been working on. And I feel like there's almost a general devaluation of creative talent with all of these freelance sites going up, people just want to get the work so that they can add it to their portfolio and get experience. So they're willing to do it for $5, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. So what are your views on on that. Like, I feel like there's a devaluation, like people don't see the value in creative talent. Well, I would say, don't think in terms of people or the market or generalities about whether creativity is valued at large or not. Because if you are a freelancer, certainly or an independent creative, you don't need that many clients, Mm -hmm. but you need good clients you need clients and there are good clients out there and it's part of your job to learn to recognize what a really good client looks like and a really good client will be happy to pay mm-hmm. because they will see the value and they will understand it agree what about the companies and this has been a trend that i've noticed in los angeles i'm not sure if it's going on elsewhere. Um, But I've spoken with a couple of different people and they have been interviewing for roles where the company asks them to do an actual project, um, a mini project, basically free work to say, let's see what you can do. And this does happen with agencies too. Agencies do free pitches and such. Yeah. What are your views on, on that? when a company or a freelance talent is put in a position where free work is being done and then they're not hired, but that work is taken and used. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's unconscionable. Yeah, but it happens. Well, I would, my advice to clients is don't do that. I understand from the employer standpoint why they would have you do that, but for them to take the work and steal it and then not hire you seems, you know, I mean, it's, it's horrible and it's been happening. It does. And I would say, you know, the best way to avoid that is not to be desperate. And the best way not to be desperate is to be known for your portfolio, to be known for somebody who and your track record as doing great work. And if you don't currently have the chance to do that with the clients that you have, then do something on the side and, and publicize it and promote it so that mm-hmm. the, then become the guy or the gal who did this. 
So basically, if a company that you're interested in working with asks you to do something like that, you kindly refuse and say, my portfolio speaks for itself. No, I would say, look, if you want to work with me, and this is what I do say to companies, if you want to work with me, this is, this is how we do it. Mm-hmm. This is the process I have for making sure we're a great fit and that we're both, uh, you know, able to do the best work that we can. And if you'd like to, you know, explore that, then great. And if not, I'll totally respect that, that you've got a different way of doing things. So we'll, I'll talk to somebody else. Yeah. What about um, creative people who do several different things? Um, there was a trend for a while where you would have the slash, right? You'd be like writer slash director slash actor slash dancer. You know, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a quadruple threat or whatever. <laughs> Is there value in that nowadays? Was that just a trend? Do you think that it's shifting and that creatives should just focus on one main thing that they're awesome at and lead with that? Well, you're speaking to somebody who writes poetry and coaches and has a podcast <laughs> and writes books for creatives. So may, maybe I'm not going to be the, the, the poster boy for someone saying, yeah, you should focus and do one thing. <laughs> I'm the same exact way, but I'm asking because I recently saw an article that said that people are are jack of all trades, but they're not really great at one thing. And and I took a little bit of a a mini offense to that. (laughs) I think, you know know what, I think you you can do both and you can do both really well. There, There are some people who will just do one thing and they're amazing at that and they're fulfilled at that. And they find a niche and then they plow ahead and they do it. Now, Personally, I'm not that person. I've explored lots of different things. <laughs> Some of them have been more productive and, and useful than others. But, you know, I think that was a really important thing for me to do is because I'm, I'm naturally curious, like I think a lot of creative people are. So I yeah. explore everything from psychotherapy to blogging to e-learning to podcasting to, to medieval poetry, whatever it may be. And I think when you get maybe to the midpoint of your career or, you know, you say 30s towards your 40s, it's really worth at that point starting to think, okay, so I can do all of this stuff, but what am I best at? Mm-hmm. Or how can I take all of this experience and knowledge across all of these areas and bring it together? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, absolutely. So you, you take, it, it could be the, you know, two or three things and that is your mix, mm-hmm. but it's not eight or nine things anymore. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that's the beauty of, of getting to that point, like you said, mid-career, right? You've tried a bunch of different things. You've taken some risks in different areas, at least I have. Um, and yeah. you take all of that experience and you kind of put it all together into one, one path that you think will be, allow you to utilize all of those different skill sets. And that was what was important to me recently. I found a place to land and to be able to utilize a, a bunch of different skill sets, which is awesome. It's not easy to find that. Um, but I think that it's it's a great way to keep all of those motivations intact. Right. And I bet the people who, who found you there would absolutely delighted. Yeah. Because probably there's not too many people with that particular skill set. Yeah. And now, nowadays, it's easier to talk about all of the things that you used to have to hide or moonlight with yeah. for like yeah. day job yeah. versus, <laughs> you know, moonlighting. And I remember I used to have to hide it and pretend like I had nothing else going on except for my my career, my day job. And mm. because a company would get really bent out of shape if they thought that you had anything else going on. 
I think in today's world, people like that. They see that you have, you know, you're multifaceted, that you have other interests, and and you can bring those motivations back to the workplace. Um, As long as you're responsible, obviously, and you're not using work hours to do the other stuff, right? Right. And and maybe the other stuff can add value to what you do in in work. I mean, so my version of this was for years at work, I kind of hid the fact that I was a poet because I thought it didn't, you know, it wouldn't look particularly professional or buttoned down. So, and this was when I was doing more um, kind of corporate uh, executive coaching and training. Yeah. I mean, saying a poet, just to jump in, uh, makes you set, like, I immediately get the stereotype of like, <laughs> like messy hair, like you're taking opium, <laughs> you know, you're in a dark cave for like three months. Right. Right. And I might only do that at weekends. <laughs> but right. you know, it, it was a real turning point for me when I thought, you know what, I'm not going to have these two halves of my professional life. I'm going to refocus on the clients I always enjoy working with the most, which are the creatives. And yet, guess what? They love the fact that I'm a poet because mm-hmm. they, it, you're one of us. They exactly. Say. And I thought the same thing when I right. when I saw your bio. I was like, oh, he writes poetry. I love it. So there's stuff that they don't have to explain to me about right. their motivations and their quirkiness and, and the fact that they have this you know, unusual interest or combination of interests. And, you know, it's, I, I think now we're getting to the point where, you know, even in the workplace, more and more employers are looking for a real live human being to come to work, not just the <laughs> professional Exactly. Thank God. I'm so glad things have evolved in that way. I mean, I'm sure there are still certain professions that are buttoned up and and, uh, conserve overly conservative in that way. But I think it's changing. Right. And particularly if there's anything remotely to do with creativity in the workplace, you you know, if you're paying for people's time, you want you want the whole person to show up. Mm -hmm. You don't want just 40% of them to turn up. Absolutely. And the other half is looking out the window. (laughs) which was me. I used to be a clock watcher. When I had more conservative positions, I'd be like, when's it going to be five? When's it going to be five? So I can go back and work on my music, (laughs) you know? Right. And that's, that's not doing anyone any good, is it? No, absolutely not. And because I was only there for the money. And, and I'm talking about jobs from past past where I wasn't in a creative profession by day. And, um, and it was difficult for me. So tell us more about your consulting work and people out there listening, if they want to work with you, how, what's the process? How does it work? So, you know, I've, I've been doing this a while and these days I've really narrowed it down to a particular kind of client that I realize I do my best work with. And that is an experienced creative professional, either in the arts or the creative industries or an entrepreneur or a media type person, someone with at least five, six years experience. So they're mm-hmm. not a beginner looking for me to tell them, you know, how, right. how to show them the ropes. Um, and somebody who wants to make big changes, you know, quite often I'll talk to someone who's saying, well, you know, I've done X and Y and it was pretty good and it's got me to a certain level, but you know what? I think I'm capable of a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I want to work with somebody to, to help pull that potential out. So a lot of what I'm doing is holding the mirror up to them. I'm listening. I'm asking questions. It actually says in the coaching contract, I'm not here to give you the answer. <laughs> That's the psychotherapy side of it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but I've always got on the assumption that, 
you've got the answer. I can help you find it. Mm-hmm. And so that's the kind of person I'm looking for. And if there's somebody who's interested on my website, I have an application form. Basically, it's coaching questions on mm-hmm. that form. And it will help you and it will help me focus our minds on what it is that you're looking to achieve. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say, well, you know, it was just helpful just answering the questions because it really helped them go through a process of reflection on, on what they really want to do. Yeah. And so when I get those answers, I will always respond. You know, if I think it's somebody that, yeah, this is, there's potential here that I could really help them, then I will invite them to a coaching session and we play full out. There's no fee. There's no there's no charge. There's no obligation on either side. And, you know, for me, in that conversation, we find out if the magic is there. You know, mm-hmm. if the magic's there, we can do great things together. And if it's not, well, hey, we tried. And, you know, I've never, everybody's always said that they found that conversation worth having. Yeah. That's um, awesome that you're willing to do that and sort of have that introductory, like, hey, let's see if there's rapport between us. Let's see if you feel good about taking this journey with me and vice versa. So as I'm thinking about this process, do you have any success stories of folks that you've worked with or like one particular person who just jumps out and you're like, wow, when this person came to me, they were at X and when they were done coaching with me, they were at Y and it was amazing. Well, I'm going to restrict it, obviously, to people who've given me permission to share. Sure. And it's, you know, given me testimonials because as a psychotherapist, I'm super focused right. on confidentiality. Great. But, you know, somebody who comes immediately to mind is Aileen Bennett, who, and, and the thing I remember when she first came to see me, she, she was a designer, a consultant, a speaker, an author, one of these creatives who have a lot of different uh, talents and interests. And what she said, was, she said, I contacted Mark when I had an idea what I wanted to do, but the job didn't actually exist. And there was a logical voice inside me would very loudly shout, you can't have a job that doesn't exist. <laughs> and so we thought, okay, let's make that the goal of the coaching. Let, let's, let's help you create this job that doesn't exist. <laughs> I love that. And she is, I mean, she's actually on my podcast. Maybe we could do a link to the, the episode with yeah. Ailey because she has got this amazing way of working with companies that's really hard to describe because she'll go in and she'll do stuff like she'll sit in the reception room of a car wash or a factory until she gets bored. She said, and then she said, when I get bored, then I see what your customers see when they are bored. Mm. And she notices all the things like the music you're playing, what the reception is talking about, whether the, you know, the carpet's been hoovered under that chair over there. And she will then go out and she will, sometimes she will say, Hey, you know what? We need a new logo and we need new design or whatever. Other times she'll say, we need some new furniture in that reception or let's get some, you know, change up what's going on in the bathroom. And, And so lots of little ideas that you would never get like she says that you i can be the person i see what's happening in your company when you're not there wow that's cool so she's got this amazing consultancy that she's put together from and that's that's the job that didn't exist that's the job that didn't exist so you know (laughs) i think that's the solution just become a consultant It is, but again, you've got to be know what kind of consultant you want to be sure. in that instance. Yeah, yeah. You know? I'm just and, joking. And it, right. But that's awesome. I love that. And I'm sure that there are many more 
great stories of folks you've worked with. And I'll definitely include that link to um, her episode with you. And, and thank you for taking time to share about what you do and the way that you see things. I think you're awesome. And I'm looking personally forward to working with you. Well, it's a pleasure. I mean, it's nice to find a like-minded spirit on the internet. Here. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, you know, when I saw your show, I thought obviously it's completely different to mine in lots of ways. Mm-hmm. Probably people can tell just by listening to our voices, but you've got that curiosity and enthusiasm and the fact that there's nothing off limits, I think is, is just terrific. Awesome. Well, I'm thrilled to have had you here and we'll have to have you back. We'll dive deeper for our folks once we get some questions in. Uh, Everybody out there listening, please go to Mark's coaching website. If you're interested in working with him or if you just want to get some of his books and check out more of what he's doing, go to lateralaction.com. And please also definitely subscribe to his podcast, 21stCenturyCreative.fm. Have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits? Email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.